Nick. Hello, Jordan. How's it going in Halpland? Well, uh, the U.S. is having having some hard times. <laughs> you could say that. You could say that. <laughs> uh, but as people stormed the Capitol building to try to overthrow democracy, uh, Elon Musk became the richest person in the world. So, wait, he overtook working out. Bezos? Is that what happened? Yeah, he overtook Bezos. How did he? How did he manage that stock? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's good. I became richer than the Jordan of the last thirty-one years as well. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Always, always moving up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. Um, yeah. Okay. It's it's been wild. I was just playing some games online with some friends from the UK, and then all the debacle happened yesterday. My mom's texting me, and my friends are like. Why is America on fire? Britain's on fire. And dropping my pencil. Everything's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a. Uh, that was pretty crazy. Um, I, I, it's one of those things where I kind of like wasn't paying a ton of attention. Was trying to stay kind of like neutral, not watching too much news. Mm -hmm. And then this morning, like after the events kind of like wrapped up in a way, I just like watched so many videos. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of like messed me up for a while like mood wise but uh yeah it's uh some pretty intense stuff i think probably one of the most like uh moving videos i saw after it was a speech by um i think cory booker who like gave this kind of speech uh it was you know obviously uh at in congress but like intended kind of for the public he was meant to be viewed and it was uh that was a pretty powerful one what but uh yeah that was a uh, some pretty intense stuff i mean i honestly don't know a whole lot of exactly what's been going on because i've just been looking at some news headlines and reading paragraphs here and there in the articles but like i can't tell if it's blown out of proportion or if really crazy stuff is happening or like how bad it actually is or if there's going to be like a are there people staked out in a building with guns? I don't think that's happening, right? Now it's well, um, basically, some people stormed the U.S. like Capitol building with guns, and were trying to interrupt the active like Congress session that would be swearing in, or basically like yeah, effectively swearing in. Swearing is the wrong term because that's what happens later. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, bringing uh, basically accepting the electoral college votes for Joe Biden. Yeah, and so these people were basically saying the election was fraudulent. And we're trying to like actively stop the senators through force, <laughs> um, and so it was a bunch of uh, pro-Trump supporters. So like not specifically Republicans, but like Trump followers who were waving Trump flags and like stormed the building with weapons. And did it, I would say, like, pretty violently, as in, like, smashing Congress building windows and, like, uh, with barricades and, like, weapons. And then somebody got shot. That was probably the, like, peak of it because they were literally, like, breaking into the doors and there was, like, police and Secret Service people were like, do not cross this barrier. Like, this is the final barrier. You're in this building. If you take one step further, we'll shoot you. Yeah. And somebody broke that window and tried to crawl through it, and they shot him. Um, 
And I think that was kind of like the final, like we're done here moment because I think after that, um, a lot of people dispersed and there was a lot of like back and forth and rage because people felt like these, these clearly violent protesters were not being like dealt with in the same way that like the black lives matter protesters were who are arguably doing less intense things (laughs) in the same place Mm -hmm. um, six months ago. And so there was like this like kind of public outcry, like, Hey, why aren't these people getting the same treatment? And they did end up getting the same treatment later because uh, Mike Pence ended up calling in National Guard and like sweeping them out of there. Yeah, I think I saw something about the the later videos, but I guess it's been happening at other state capitals too. I read that on Utah there were even like 300 Trump supporters up on the state capitol, which is crazy. Yeah, there was kind of like some sort of like little solidarity movement. I mean, they had like similar protests in Japan and Canada and other places. Japanada. <laughs> which is Yeah. Yeah, strange. <laughs> um, you know, Japan and Canada, similar places. Yeah, they have a lot a lot of common. So everybody knows about Japanada. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh it, people are saying it's over now, which like I mean, yeah, the like that chaos is over, but I mean, those those people like still exist and like yeah you know that like movement and idea still exists so it's it's a concern but um yeah craziness well i think that uh we'll hopefully have some kind of a better healing resolution after all this because of everything that happens that's that would be a best case scenario yeah i mean it it's one of the things that's easy to keep like telling yourself when like chaotic events are happening right is that they're also like great kind of like learning experiences and uh there there's thresholds that people cross that are going to leave some people behind each time and so there's going to be some people who look at that and be like you know i was for this movement but that's too intense and i'm out yeah (laughs) um and i think hopefully that's this is like a moment people can point back at and say this is not something we want to happen again this is not democracy, et cetera. Um, Cause I think that was one of the kind of like powerful um, movements of that speech I talked about was uh, basically the, the representative was saying there's only two times that the U S like Capitol building, the Congress has been sieged by people. Mm-hmm. Um, one was in the war of 1812. And the next one was today, uh, which is like a pretty powerful uh, comparison to make. And I think there's a lot of people that look back at that war and can take a lot of learnings from it. And so hopefully this is a similar moment. I don't, yeah, that's really crazy. I still don't understand. I mean, obviously the, they were let in because if the military, if the National Guard didn't want people in the building, they would have just stopped them. So the, there's like obviously some back-end dealings going on here to let people go here and there as they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a slow response, I guess, is what everybody was saying. It's like why why did we not react more quickly to this? It was even like planned. Like people knew about this this protest and the fact that these people were gonna like come to the Capitol building with guns like way ahead of time. Wow. Um <laughs> so <laughs> a little bit strange, but Well, um I guess on a on a more positive note, uh we're gonna talk about YouTube today. <laughs> 
Yes. And the reason for this, well, there's probably many reasons for this, but I feel like I must announce it to the world in my shame. Okay. <laughs> Part of the reason I think that we're doing this is because I just got my first YouTube account. Right. Uh, like 20 years ago. later or something. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to be fair, that's actually kind of a lie. I did have a YouTube account at one point because there was a band that I used to follow that like said they were going to stop making music and their music wasn't downloadable. Like this was iTunes existed, but like no other streaming platforms did. And like, it really just like wasn't accessible mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted to make sure it continued to be. So I took their music, downloaded it and published it on YouTube and then lost my account details and haven't been able to log into it. Oh no. So do I have a second YouTube account that just has five videos posted <laughs> <laughs> from 12 years ago? Very cool. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's what I had to, what, before I started using, like, my own YouTube creation again, I found all these old videos from us. I had a video of you jumping into a tree in my front yard, in fact. Oh, nice. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I think, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're on board, on that you're on the, the YouTube boat now, uh, because it's been sailing to wild and adventurous places for years, and it's a great place. Oh, yeah. Like... I mean, I obviously knew that there was just tons of content posted to, to YouTube. It was not, but actually experiencing it is like kind of mind-boggling. Yeah, and well, it, it it's because there's so many different things to experience and find too. There's like so much knowledge, but also so much nonsense. And there's 500 hours of video posted every minute to YouTube, so it's impossible <laughs> to watch like even close to any amount of it, which is weird to think about. Also, <laughs> yeah, that is weird. Um, and it also makes me feel a little bit less, uh, bad about YouTube ads, given that the server space for 500 hours of video per minute is, uh, a little bit mind boggling. Wait, what do you mean about what, why don't you feel bad about ads? Um, I, I mean, I used to kind of complain about YouTube ads because they seem, there's so many of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, But the fact that they're paying for, like, I mean, uploading, like, creating an account, uploading a video to YouTube, and having it be hosted there forever is free. Um, Yes. At least free and money out of your wallet. And the fact that YouTube's just sitting there hosting so much content is kind of crazy. Yeah, I am a premium YouTube person now because I got to tell you, like, I learn a lot on youtube like i i probably get 20 or 30 percent of my knowledge from youtube videos so yeah that's a lot of time that i spend watching youtube and it's like a no-brainer to pay 15 dollars a month to not have to watch ads and get my time back <laughs> it's not even close yeah that's great i didn't know premium youtube got rid of ads that that is uh definitely compelling yeah 100 percent. no more ads it's totally worth it oh okay okay <laughs> i think i'm I've been convinced. I I abhor ads. Horror <laughs> and I'm ads? happy to pay for like <laughs> uh any service to get rid of ads. And I basically won't use things that try to stay free by offering me ads. YouTube has so far been the exception. Um mm-hmm. so that's that's good to hear. Yeah. I think uh I think it's worth it. So we have like some videos that we're gonna play for each other and we're going to describe what we're seeing in the other person's video i guess and then we'll have audio for everybody listening is that that's kind of the plan right yeah yeah uh some live commentary some some 
post video discussion what why that video is maybe significant to us or youtube or the world or you know what's great about it whatever yeah <laughs> whatever we feel like talking about in that video or however yeah. however it is <laughs> but on that subject i do request to be the first video sharer because thematically it makes sense for me to do my video first i accept your video and and i don't know if you've seen this video i hope not um I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it right now. Actually, um, <laughs> let's do it. I doubt you've seen it. It's it's a fantastic video, though. Are you ready? Here you go. All right, so here we are, one of the uh, elephants. <laughs> cool thing about these guys is that they have really, really, really long trunks, um, and that's that's cool. And that's pretty much all there is to say. <laughs> Okay, so sorry I was staying silent because I was kind of in, trying to figure out what the heck I was looking at. There's like a kid in front of some elephants at the zoo, and I think he's doing like his first newscast, and the, that video was from 2005 I saw in the corner. And yeah. uh, wow, yep. And also now I'm seeing that Nick has recommended to watch a bunch of videos from this ASMR girl with two colors in her hair. <laughs> So I know what you've been watching, Nick. I see all 20 of those suggested videos and they're all her. <laughs> I don't even know who she is. Uh-huh. Sure you don't. <laughs> YouTube's broken. Right. So so the, I, the title of this video, I feel like, is also important because it's so unassuming. The title of the video is Me at the Zoo. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's also shot in like, I don't know, like two, I don't know. 220 240p like it's just it's so low resolution there well it you know what i did like about it though is that it's kind of the simple life that's that's like the one of those moments where you just kind of realize that it's okay to just not care about anything and be at the zoo <laughs> that's what i felt oh, like watching and that. <laughs> that that is the the beauty of this video because this the thing that's special about this video is this is the first video ever posted on youtube is it really yes Wow. So the creator of YouTube posted this video titled Me at the Zoo. Was that him? And it, Yeah. <laughs> was he 12? And it, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, he wasn't really 12, but he's young. Yeah. And it's just him, and he's just talking about elephants, right? It's like a, it's a 15-second clip or something, and he's like, hey, so I'm at the zoo. Um, yeah, there's some elephants behind me, and the cool thing about them is they got these long trunks. And then the, the clip's over, and the, the only descriptor on the video is... People should think about going to the zoo more. Um, but this video, I think, is so fantastic because what he was trying to do with it, and I think he accomplished so beautifully, is that the stuff that you post to YouTube doesn't need to be like this high production value. Because everything before that at the time was like, you know, professional video, basically. It was like shot for like TV or like made for like hosting on big news sites and it was hard to kind of get arrange that stuff and he wanted to emphasize that youtube is for like the at-home creator to just like post stuff about their life and so he posted him at the zoo low resolution wind noise shot on some phone camera (laughs) about nothing interesting at all to try to like drive that idea home like yeah he could have started youtube off with this like brilliant brilliant like high production value video of like youtube ads or like some sort of like great compilation video of some of the best moments of whatever but he didn't he posted him at the zoo (laughs) (laughs) 
Very well done. Very well done, YouTube man. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, good start, Nick. And that also is the start of YouTube. So, touche. Yeah. Uh, um, Feels good. Let's play. Yeah, play that top one. It's uh, the one at the top, yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so. This is a video of so many AC power supplies powering so many computers. Yeah, what's titled Bitcoin Mining Container? So I'm thinking this is happening inside of a shipping container. Yeah, there's like 2,000 miniature ASIC miners in there and what you can't hear oh or I God. can't hear anyway is that you can hear in the videos there's just like this white noise as soon as the video starts it's like it just keeps going the whole time it's like walking it's into just, a wind tunnel yeah it's so many fans just hundreds of computer fans from like their their power supply and just like a case fan like both running just all the time <laughs> yep why we did that is because oh my god okay that's that's outside. that that's all that video so is really cool <laughs> i just like wanted you to experience walking into the wind tunnel of asic miners and like what, what the what part of the world what exists in the world that, that the fact that that yeah. exists is, is crazy <laughs> well it's great because the whole container is like centered around this idea of like airflow it looks like too he has these like big shutters that open on the side that have like I think those are filters or those are really dirty windows, but I think they're yeah, they're filters, <laughs> air filters. filters. Yeah. And they're just like pulling air through them through this like wall of fans. <laughs> and I'm assuming there's like an output then on the other side, like some just like crazy heat tunnel. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't even imagine what the output is on the other side, but uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. It w- I also like that. This is like, so there's like a monumentally <laughs> large, like Bitcoin farm. And this video is like, 105 uploads like <laughs> just, yeah it's like really really low-key i don't know that's yeah. how the world works though this is how most of mm-hmm. these these miners are that are on youtube they're just like making really crappy well poorly produced videos that are and they're all just like talking to each other and just they live in yeah. their own youtube community <laughs> oh yeah youtube communities are a big deal yeah uh, this is not this is something that i it was actually exposed to before I really like joined YouTube because Brianne, my wife watches a, uh, a fair amount of YouTube and she talks all the time about like different drama between different YouTubers and different collaborations. And there's all these, like, it's, it's a, it's a whole world. And then you get the comment section and people are like banding together over certain things. And yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that, uh, <laughs> I think the YouTube comment sections have somehow gotten cleaned up a little bit. I remember when I used to watch videos sometimes, the comment sections were just complete trash. And I think they're better now. Or maybe I just watch better videos that have like better commenters. We could probably thank uh, Google for fixing that up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think it's definitely improved. <laughs> well, I think there's this whole like voting system on them too, which probably helps maybe that's like the big thing was that not there in the beginning 
I don't even remember anymore. I don't know either, actually. <laughs> either way, uh, like the, ever since YouTube uh, went into 4K mode, I feel like it got a lot better sometime around then. It's <laughs> just <laughs> higher resolution of videos and higher resolution of people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got for me next, Nick? Uh, you're going to hate it, but I'm going to show it to you anyways. Uh, don't look at the title yet. Okay. Just let me post this link. Uh, so the thing that's special about this video uh, you'll see a trend, I guess, in the videos that I chose for this episode. Um, tried to choose kind of like moment defining or like uh, whatever videos on YouTube. Um, this one is the first video ever to hit a billion views. And it hit a billion views in 2012. I already know what this video is. Pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah here we go. I mean, the beat heard around the world. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to watch this whole video. Yeah, I think it's funny that you even put this on here, like, because obviously I've seen this video before, but. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not showing you a new video, but I'm sharing an important video yeah, of yeah. YouTube. First, it, it was the first video to hit a billion views, and then it. No other video hit a billion views for three years after that. Like, it held that record by itself for, like, a long time. That is so it wasn't just, like, the billion views marker wasn't just, like, a product of, I guess, like, total YouTube, like, viewership. It was, like, special to this video in a lot of ways, which is, I guess, a testament to how, like, of a big hit it was. Right. Um, but I think there's a lot of uh, <laughs> aspects of this video that make it really shareable. <laughs> um, not just like the Korean break into like American culture, but there's just like so many kind of like memeable <laughs> parts of this video, I guess. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah, I always just see him with his side with his mouth open and a bunch of foam flying into it. That's like the only thing I remember from this video every time I think about it. Just him just I just remember foam. the girl getting blasted in the face with the like fake snow stuff and she's like obviously just like hating it and it's just like hitting her in the face and she's like trying to get away from it and like it's 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 bad. But uh isn't that weird that okay, so if it has a, a billion views there's like 9 billion people on the planet or something like that, then that means because people have been re-watching it too that not even like 10% of the planet has watched this video yeah it's that's a, also a good point um, that said there are 4 billion views on it now I, man I wish so badly YouTube had a unique views thing but it's not possible because you can watch YouTube anonymously yeah you'd have to have some really extreme like chain, chain link uh, <laughs> data tracking for unique addresses yeah. or something i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah but it'd be very really interesting yeah um i agree. to know that um <laughs> thank you for showing me this nick I, I, yeah I, <laughs> I, I know i you haven't seen it in probably a while so i just needed to like make sure you you got to see it again and you can just look at his face i mean i mean he's a he's a good looking guy oh i forgot about this <laughs> the yoga part the swan boats yeah. that's a big thing in um in japan at least i'm sure it is in korea also my friend and i always would go get on those my japanese friend it's underneath <laughs> a guy with a mustache with his hair parted with a cowboy hat on 
I mean, like, I got to hand it to them as far as making a weird branding for yourself. Definitely hit the nail on the head. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like he has a consistent style and vibe throughout the whole video, but it's really weird. And it's, like, unique. Um, Especially, I think, at the time for, like, simply the fact that it was, like, an Asian person being famous. <laughs> like, the U.S. doesn't have a lot of those. Uh, so I think that was powerful in and of itself. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, the irony there is that there's a lot of people in Asia more than in the U.S. And uh, the celebrities over there are bigger than the celebrities yeah. in the U.S. So like just, yeah, yeah, I think that's, I get what you're saying, but also it's kind of backward because we're the minority. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. But YouTube was our was our thing mostly. Uh, was, I mean, most of the viewership of YouTube at that time was... Uh, in the u.s and yeah americas and europe true so interesting (laughs) okay so uh (laughs) this next one um full full disclosure this this uh is not a family-friendly video there are some swears in this video uh, and and some content that maybe is not for children, but it's not it's not aggressive or anything. It's just very nice and enlightening. But like I think it needed to be said in a certain way. And I really like this guy in this video. He's a he's a bag reviewer, but also an entrepreneur and just like a really interesting American citizen. That's all I have to say. I really I really like this guy. So here you go, Nick. Okay. The the only like the your note on like what the video is is Chase, which. He's kind of weird to me, Chase but uh, let's see. Chase reviews a bag. So we're not addressing this, and it's causing the way we think to have a certain flavor and tone, right? Okay, this when guy has a warm tone. come to terms with more of this, kind of broaden, like broaden our perspective oh. of ourselves, get more Zooming of out our the camera. asshole and belly involved in our like you know we're basically that's why i'm like masturbation right Ma- uh, meditation mm-hmm. what i've just been describing and masturbation okay it's just a lot like be okay with who you are you're fucking who you are like be okay with like let it fucking flow motherfucker <laughs> yeah you're worth it you deserve it you deserve to feel good you're a fucking miracle <laughs> right and that doesn't entitle you to shit look around you <laughs> Everybody's living in suffering. Everybody's trying to fucking figure their shit out. Even when you've got it good, you can suffer from lots of stuff. I know as I say, like, everybody's suffering. I'm literally, like, in this gorgeous field where I was raised. <laughs> because nature doesn't actually belong to any of us, right? Nature belongs to all of us. Nature, nature is where you come from. Another great Alan Watts thing. You know, apple tree apples. The earth. <laughs> peoples all right let's end it there yeah you can end it there masturbation right okay uh so i mean my my first comments on this guy is that he he looks like a hippie like he's got his beard he's wearing some like he def baggy button up and he's sitting in a field he definitely takes mushroom supplements yes this is true yeah great great uh he has these like very inviting blue eyes and uh, he's very he seems pretty like happy and warm uh i 
I, if I understand the context of this video, he's saying, hey, everybody's having a hard time right now. Just, like, do things that, like, make you happy. Like, and he talks about, I guess, if you talk about meditation and masturbation, I guess it's both, like, uh, deeper kind of like happiness and, like, hedonistic happiness, both. He's just like, do it all. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> you, that's pretty cool. That's pretty good. Yeah, he... So there's like a lot of context that you don't have behind this video. And I've been watching this guy for maybe like four years or something because he wow, he's, okay. he like specializes in reviewing really good bags and pouches and any kind of backpack or anything you could imagine. He knows all the best ones in the world and he reviews them. Um, and he also containers that you wear. <laughs> yeah, he's he knows like everything about them and he goes into extreme detail, but he's also hilarious. Like this didn't really capture his comedic side, but he is basically a stand up comedian while he's reviewing these bags. And so okay. like I would watch some of these as like a meditation for some comedic breaks where I could just laugh for like 20 minutes or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But he's he very like once in a while he'll do a vlog or something and he'll talk about something or the other but this one he had like an existential crisis like the 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 moment you just watched was part of his existential crisis because he's like (laughs) this whole video he's like going off about how he was raised christian and all all the problems with that and all these things that happened and like he just was going like so deep and then you get to this point he's just like freaking out about masturbation loving yourself and how like you don't you're just a normal person suffering and like everything is is what it is and you just got to get over it and like just be alive and that's what life is about some of the time and i just loved that like he broke down in this very beautiful way (laughs) (laughs) i think that's one of the things that's kind of powerful about youtube is what i mean it didn't necessarily have to be this way but it like evolved this way out of like what people wanted which is that like you basically had these people who are like, here's a video hosting platform. You can post whatever videos you want on here. Have fun. And people could have taken to it and primarily posted like TV-like entertainment videos exclusively. Or they could have like sat there and posted like just instructional stuff. And obviously you get this whole like gamut, like this whole mix of all of it. But really, like I would say like one of the main threads throughout all of YouTube mm-hmm. <laughs> is that people are trying to post like deep insights into their own like life and lifestyle and like personal like whatever um and i think that's what's like so interesting about it is it allows everybody to capture like some of their most like kind of like deeply personal moments just like and post them (laughs) to the world all the time including your own existential crisis and rants and thoughts and feelings and yeah and well youtube didn't always used to be like that even though you have pointed out that it was set up to be that way right but um Mm -hmm. i think before like the casey neistat time period before he started just a daily vlog and Mm. people didn't really Mm -hmm. accept it and they didn't get a lot of views vlogs were kind of looked down on and then after he started popularizing it and becoming extremely popular then like there was this era of of vlogging youtubers for a couple years um, mm. and then now it kind of forked off and they're, they're more of a minority again, but it is interesting that, that, that like these trends have decided how the content comes in and, and what more people are comfortable sharing, I guess, but it is just a weird window into people's lives. I think that's why it's so fascinating because we're monkeys and we want to like see what the other monkeys are doing all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, so, um, as part of my YouTube exploration, and uh, both preparing myself for this week and because I'm just 
am in the YouTube now. Mm-hmm. I watched the Streamy Awards. What are those? Uh, uh, a couple nights ago. Uh, the Streamies are <laughs> <laughs> an award show, kind of like the Grammys or whatever, for YouTube, effectively. Um, and so it's 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 an award show for like creators of YouTube videos and YouTube creators and um, that whole kind of like community. And one of the things that I found interesting on it is that YouTube, like one of the biggest categories on YouTube is lifestyle, which is kind of like that vlogging, uh, I guess, thing you're talking about. It's people who are just like videoing stuff about their own lives and like their style of living and kind of like how to emulate them or how to like tips and tricks for being like them or doing things that are cool. I don't know. I haven't watched too many of them, but I think that's like, it's interesting that category exists and that's where a lot of the like top creators are. And that's where a lot of the like streams come from. And I don't know if they're necessarily considered vlogs because they're not like some like first person talking to the camera thing, Mm -hmm. but like, um, I think the kind of most defining feature of those lifestyle videos from the ones that I saw (laughs) during the streamies was that they are multidimensional around that person's life. So those people talk about their friends and their family and their personal feelings and their job and like the house they live in and whatever else. And it kind of just like they sit there and talk about all that stuff (laughs) to their viewers all the time and like answer questions for their viewers and do like challenges, (laughs) I guess, that their viewers (laughs) give them. I think that they're defined also by a lot by their like interaction with their audience. Yeah, that sounds that remind just sounds a lot like Twitch streamers. And I have a couple friends who are. mm -hmm um quite famous twitch streamers and they man like i've talked to them a little bit about how it's kind of a big stressful burden and and uh oh, i guess yeah. It, yeah it's more than just a burden it's like your livelihood depends on you constantly making content being alive in front of people and interacting with them and yeah. uh like a couple of my friends have kind of had some big scandal things happen and then like it really put a huge toll on them and i i think that there's yeah that must be really hard to try to feel like you're culpable to other people's whims because they're your income source right and maybe this is a misperception but i would imagine that a lot of twitch streamers or any type of streamer whether they be a youtube live streamer or a youtube vlogger or a twitch streamer is kind of held to this like expectation that your personality or kind of like the type of entertainment and like mood you present is consistent. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing that for so many hours of every day, it's hard to maintain that consistent vibe. Yeah, <laughs> I guess uh, every single day. Like imagine if because I've noticed that a trend in a lot of YouTubers and in uh, Twitch streamers that I've seen is like this like constant like high energy kind of like funny entertaining, you know yep very extroverted presentation and having to maintain that all the time i think is unrealistic for most people even people who have that kind of as their normal personality you can't have you can't have a bad day anymore you can't like whatever take a break uh because of some stressful news or like whatever like you're just in that mode all the time which i think is tough yeah that's true i must be a lot of work to like keep that content up to, to par with what their standards are too i don't know i couldn't i'm sure i could do it but i wouldn't want to <laughs> i mean in some ways 
Can, can we talk about your experience with that a little bit? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you've, you've kind of had to live that a little bit because you did like a live, what was that? What, I guess like a reality TV show kind of deal through social media once. Oh, uh, it wasn't live. That was just like some content being created. Okay. And I've also done, okay. I've like, I've done some stuff in the board game world for content like that, I guess too. And like put up some YouTube videos with me in them or whatever. And, sure. okay. uh, I don't know. It's, I'm fine with making content and like having it out there every once in a while, because mm-hmm. it's just part of being alive. There's so much data in the world. Nobody cares anyway, but I think like the the thing that bothers me personally more is the pressure to feel like you need to show up alive all the time to events. Um, oh yeah. P- personally, that's where I would would fall anyway. Like I I think I would be fine doing a YouTube video and just vlogging and like uploading my own videos when I felt like they were okay to upload, and doing mm-hmm. that a couple times a week or something like that wouldn't bother me at all. But yeah, I don't know. There's something else about about constantly like doing all these live things, but I guess if you like doing it and some people make some good money from doing it. So, and you get to play games all day if you're a Twitch streamer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was talking to my, my tax person the other day and they were telling me that the person who had just come in before me was trying to explain Twitch streaming to them because she was like a professional Twitch streamer. That's where all of her income came from. Mm-hmm. That was her only like taxable income. And they were trying to like figure out how to do taxes for her for that. And these were some like old tax guys who just like hadn't even heard of Twitch, and they were like, "What is going on?" <laughs> she plays video games, and people like watch her do it, and they like pay her money for it. And like, well, sometimes they pay her, but like other people also like she gets like other revenue sources, <laughs> sponsorships, and like other things. Yeah. And they're like, "What is going on here?" And I'm like, "Man, it's, it's TV, it's entertainment, yes." Like, <laughs> yeah, is that works. <laughs> Uh, there's so many, so, so many ways to make money and do things on the internet now. It's unbelievable. And Mm -hmm. only people who aren't Mm -hmm. entrenched and like searching on the internet to find these things are going to not realize they exist. But anyway, should we move on to the next video? Ah, yes. Uh, let's try it. I, I, I guess before you look at this list and maybe you've already cheated because you can see my screen. I'm not looking. I won't look. Okay, have you do you know what the most viewed video on YouTube is? Uh no, I don't. If you had to take a guess, what what category would you put the most viewed video in? <laughs> I love that you you two of your videos now are about the most viewed videos. <laughs> um I don't know, probably like music is a pretty easy one to predict, but I it's probably Mr. Beast video or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, you you were right on music. the The top twenty most viewed videos are all music videos. Okay, this makes sense. Or rather, music. Some people cheat, right? They do, they put something that's not a video. They just put like a sound clip on YouTube, basically with a static image. Right. Uh, yeah, some of those are those. Uh, but I'm gonna without looking at this. Don't look at this. Okay. Here we go. The most viewed song on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, what? yeah. Do you what? know this? Pink fox. You know this song. No, there's a pink fox. Oh, I do know this. Um, yeah, no, I know. Baby shark and do to do to do and ocean dun 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 dun, all that stuff. So, <laughs> this is the most viewed video on YouTube of all time. It has 7.6 billion views. Baby shark, 
There's a child in it that we're looking at. Yeah, we're not gonna watch all of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. A but I, I think what's interesting to me about this is that I think there's this whole like undervalued um, viewership on YouTube, which is like children. Now, obviously, a lot of adults started listening to Baby Shark and stuff, and that's partially what drove these numbers so high. More than partial, but yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, like, uh, five of the top 20 most viewed videos on YouTube are, like, straight-up children's videos. Like, learn your ABCs kind of stuff. I mean, it makes sense, because there is a, a child setting for YouTube, so pe- parents just give their kids tablets and phones, and then they just let them run wild on YouTube with those settings turned on. And so, like, recommended videos are probably all going to be the same ones over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. But it's also interesting because... So I, I have a nephew. Uh, just like the only child in my life, basically. Wait, you have a nephew? Uh, so I don't have a, How I, do I not know I this, nephew. Nick? <laughs> Nick. It, you know, it's a nephew-in-law or whatever. Oh, okay, like, then, yeah. yeah, that's different. I thought you that one of sense. your family members had um, conceived a child and you hadn't told me about no. it. That would be, no, that no, would be a cardinal sin. We're all going to be childless forever. Yeah. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um... They, this kid, uh, I've watched him grow up and he like started using a tablet when he was like one and a half or something. And he, I watch what he watches. And as far as I can tell, if I use him as an example, kids have like a much lower or higher tolerance for like crappy videos. It's like a lot of uh, adults will kind of like filter which video they're going to choose to watch by choosing the one that maybe has like more views or more likes. Obviously YouTube's going to recommend stuff that way too, but kids kind of fall down these rabbit holes where they're like watching videos with like almost no views that are like poorly made. Uh, cause they'll just like watch whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting thing too, because if kids are representing like 25% of the top most viewed videos, but they're also more willing to watch trash videos. Like how many kids are on YouTube? A lot. There's a lot of kids on I YouTube. Think it's a lot. There's a lot of kids in the world. <laughs> uh, still, but there is a oh, weird there is a weird like convergence here that I always think about because there are less kids in developed countries. So you would think that because there's going to be more tablets and computers in, in developed countries but less mm. kids in the ratio of everything that there wouldn't be as many kid videos at the top, but I think the reason why they're up there is because kids rewatch the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Oh. Yeah, I I would definitely buy into that. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I I think one of the other interesting things about this video is that kid at the beginning of this video is probably the most viewed child in the world. <laughs> yeah, but like he probably showed up to like this is just like a little like before Pink Fong and this like the show got really big. I mean, Pink Fong was just some like random little kids YouTube channel, and so like when he like auditioned for this role or whatever was going on, like it was just like a little like, Oh yeah, come do a little dance to this kid's song <laughs> on our kid's show. And now I don't know how old he is now. He's four years older than he was then. So he's probably like eight or nine. He doesn't even look the same. And, I bet nobody will ever recognize yeah. him. That's the thing about being a child star is like, unless you're McCall Cogan or whatever, can't even say his name. Freaking <laughs> McCall Cogan. I don't know how to say his name, but unless you're him, nobody knows who you are anymore. Cause you don't look the same. <laughs> yeah it's true but like imagine just like being in high school or like middle school and just being like yeah i was i was the i was the baby shark kid (laughs) nobody would believe you i would never believe that kid 
I'm the most viewed kid on the internet. Shut up. <laughs> I um yeah, it's I, I think it's just kind of crazy um to think that also something like this has become like the viewership is so high whereas like with a TV show or something in the past, right? Like your 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 primary audience was like teens and young adults, I guess. And like that's where you got like a ton of your viewership and like that's where you got good ad revenue for that and stuff, but like YouTube doesn't distinguish like it doesn't have preconceived notions of what kind of videos are going to be good or bad. So it's like doing similar ad revenue per view or whatever independent of the category of your video. And so since kids consume content in the kind of way they do, it implies that there's like this kind of really interesting big market opportunity for children's content that probably didn't exist before as much, or at least for ad revenue on children's content. Not having, not having kids myself yet. I mean, I have a, I have a niece and two nephews and I really love them a lot, but I'm also kind of, I just don't like kids content unless it can entertain adults at the same time. That's mm-hmm. why I have a very strict condition about that. And so <laughs> I just get annoyed usually for kids stuff anymore. Yeah. I love cartoons that we watched as kids still, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of those had like some deeper extra little tidbits slid in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, and those tidbits don't even have to be like adult jokes or whatever, which is kind of like the common right method. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of children's oriented content that can teach um, bigger lessons um uh, there's so many examples i could pull from but the one i'm gonna do is like uh, avatar the last airbender i don't know if you mm-hmm. how into that you got but um, i love that show it's definitely kid friendly kid oriented uh but i think it has so many lessons for adults on like mindfulness and like lessons on learning and teaching others and like uh, i think it's a yeah it has a lot of about relationships and growth good psychology and it also has some very good eastern or in Buddhist, um, I guess, ethics and ideals right. in yeah, it as exactly. well, which, which are quite good. I, lo- I really like that show too. Um, okay. What's next, Nick? Let's pull up the next one. Yes. Yes. The next one. We don't have to sit here and look at this baby shark still. Yeah. Frame. I'm tired of looking at this still frame. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> uh, I think your next video seems like it could be a good contrast to this if you're ready every video i have is a good contrast to this (laughs) (laughs) i keep posting stuff in the search okay here we go okay this is beautiful already it's titled hell escapes and it looks like we're exploring a park in new york according to the uh, title but it's like a drone view zooming through this like fall autumn as it says (laughs) uh forest which is incredible yeah, so it's a FPV drone flying through a forest in fall and it's just some nice piano backtrack and it's really weaving quite nicely uh, through the trees. It's a little Cinewhoop FPV drone. Um, and I, I just like that this view of being able to explore the forest this way at the speed because it wouldn't be possible to get this footage any other way. You have to have a drone to do right. this. Um it's just so relaxing. I've watched this video like probably 10 times and it just really chills me out. It makes me feel good. 
yeah this this is this is very relaxing <laughs> um, and I think like you said it's it's cool to see cinematography or video that is uniquely enabled I guess by its like tools like you couldn't get and this view as a human in real life it's also not easy to fly a drone this intricately through tight spaces so oh yeah i mean not be possible for a lot of people either it's pretty scary actually <laughs> like knowing that it's a drone i keep kind of freaking out like oh are, they, are my wings gonna clip that tree <laughs> but it's a it's a really cool view it's, it's also nice to see new york in kind of like a different light because when we think new york we think like new york new york uh but this is like a beautiful the beautiful forested side of new york uh, which i think a lot of people neglect yeah, it's really easy to forget how the rest of the world exists outside of cities because <laughs> cities are so condensed and iconic and we if you live in a city and travel to cities you you're used to being in them all the time but so much of the earth is just barren. Like Elon Musk always says if you drop a cannonball out of an airplane the chances of hitting a human being are like such a small minuscule thousandth of a percentage or whatever and uh, you should have more kids. That's how he ends that statement. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, and name them strange things and send them off into the forest like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fly their drones. Um, yeah, this is, yeah, this we don't is have very to watch. nice. Um, and looking at this, it seems like there's a whole kind of category of videos on YouTube, not just from this creator, but like people who do these kind of like music, nature exploration videos. There are some, but they're really slow paced and very zoomed out. Um, and this guy in particular, who I really like, that he has another channel, um, Becky and Chris, uh, and they're he's a surgeon and a helicopter pilot. And wow, okay. uh, his his wife Becky is a professional photographer and, and videographer, and she does a lot of the shooting for this. But um, they made this kind of side channel where it's either drone footage or flying uh in their helicopter over some really beautiful forests and stuff and it's kind of the same thing but those are a little obviously a lot higher altitude moving faster mm -hmm. but there yeah a lot of, there are not really many nature videos like this that are going through forests and tight spaces and like chill out there's there's a lot of fpv super fast like cliff diving and stuff but they're oh yeah this is a pretty rare style of video actually sure i i did watch the uh gopro video awards <laughs> a couple weeks ago um which obviously was a lot more intense than this mm -hmm. uh, but also equally kind of like interesting just in a different way um, who yeah, wants this is, this is really nice yeah we don't have to watch the whole thing we can uh, we can cut it okay fine but whatever man <laughs> you can Chill watch out. it later okay. nick <laughs> uh that's really cool um so, what is the difference between an FPV drone and a drone that has a camera that allows you to view the camera while it flies? I feel like there's kind of a difference there. Because there's, like, I have a drone that has a camera that I can view while it flies, but it, that camera is not responsive enough such that I could fly it like this. I would crash, <laughs> like, 100%, because it has, like, a full second delay or something. Because it uses a Wi-Fi link for mine. Oh, um, yeah, not recommended. That's not not yeah. going to be good enough. Uh, but there's, like for FPV flying, I mean, so there's right. a reason why FPV drones, they usually 
well, they started out using this analog signal because they didn't, that doesn't have any latency right. pretty much. So um, that's really where drones started was with FPV, which just means first person view. And that's with a fixed camera on the drone. Right. And uh, depending on the speed of the drone, it'll be mounted at a certain angle because the drone has to be tilted forward depending on how fast you're going to fly it usually. Oh, so the camera will adjust to the speed. Like It doesn't adjust. It will tilt. You just have to mount it ahead of time, knowing the angle that you're going to be flying oh, at, basically. Okay. So, so yeah, um, it takes a little bit of, I guess, finagling, and it's it's very piecemeal, and you had you have to build the drones usually yourself from parts, and there's a lot to it. But mm-hmm. then, um, as cinematic drone shots became more popular, then like uh, DJI and some other companies came out with these other drones, and they usually run on a gimbal, so it's a uh, basically a self-leveling gimbal system so that the the camera is taking cinematic footage and it uh doesn't stay fixed you're basically just moving the drone around and it's always going to have a level horizon or angle down because of a little motor that keeps it perfectly still to where it needs to be um and they Mm -hmm. can't like do rolls and backflips and uh like the rest of the fpv drones can but that's basically the only difference is like does it have a gimbal and does it have restrictions on being able to do anything and can it fly quickly? Like FPV yeah. drones usually have those three things and cinematic drones just are made to take good footage. But this is an in-between one kind of because uh, it's called the CineWoop. It's a little three-inch blade drone, so it's small. Um, and it has like some good uses for taking cinematic footage if you're going at a medium speed. Um and it has guards around the propellers as well, so you don't have to worry about it bumping into stuff as much. Cool. So that's, yeah, that's drones. <laughs> that's drones. <laughs> <laughs> um, given the topic of drones, uh, I kind of think it might make sense for me to skip a video I was going to share and share with you a different video, <laughs> which is also related to robots. I just saw your own name in the search bar. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Oh my gosh, I love Boston Dynamics. Here yes. Is, um, I know what this is, and I'm just going to describe it to everyone. Like, if you don't know what Boston Dynamics is, then go go put, put that on YouTube. But this is uh, robots dancing, and they're, like, fully humanized with legs and arms and... A dog will come out. They can do flips and dance very articulated. I cannot wait to have one of these, like a robot servant, Boston Dynamics friend. I will totally buy one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, I I mean, yeah, Boston Dynamics is like an awesome uh, (laughs) robotics company. And like you said, uh, this, uh, this, this video kind of, this video came out last week basically right at the end of the year and when i first saw it like i just saw somebody post a gif of it like somewhere else on like reddit or twitter or something and i thought it was cgi at first like i knew boston dynamics was like obviously winning the robot game but like this video seemed far beyond what i had understood current robot technology was capable of and when i learned yeah. that it wasn't cgi i was freaking out <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I follow Boston Dynamics pretty closely because I really love the work that they're doing. And I think that 
despite everybody's black mirror fears from the episode of the, the robot dog that goes out and murders people um boston dynamics is actually making incredibly useful tools that are going to be super helpful for a lot of people i mean just imagine being able to carry anything on a, your like robot dog pal and uh it can always like go help get help or like do lots of different things. You could take your robot dog on a hike with you and feel safe knowing that you'd be able to get home or whatever, or like help could be found. And I don't know. There's lots of great purposes. Right. Warehouse Warehousing purposes are like one of the main things I think that they're working toward to start getting uh, most of their revenue so they can scale up to more consumer grade uh, right. versions. But I know that they do have the robot dog for, I think it's like $120,000 that you can buy now with a remote control, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So they have... I mean, there's probably more that they're working on, but they have like three classes of robots, right? And they show all three of them off in this video. And I think one of the cool things they do so well is they post a lot of promotional content. Like you, when you think about it, like a robotics lab, it's like people sitting there tinkering on little servo motors and stuff like in the back of a academic lab or like some warehouse, but like Boston Dynamics shows their stuff off all the time. And that's what this video is. It's like a fun little, like it's a dancing video with robots and it has the humanoid robot i don't know it's it's like called atlas or something and then it has spot the robot dog and then it has the it's like a, almost like a bird looking robot which i think is made for like loading like boxes and things like that it like it's like a warehouse like move pallet kind of robot yeah um and they all dance with each other in this video which is it's pretty fun um but i think one of the fun things about this video also was that it led me to another boston dynamics video which blew my mind <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to show it, but I'll talk about it, which is, uh, it's called Spot Launch. And they're, like you just said, that robot dog is now available for purchase. And it this was like the launch video for that robot dog. And the fact that we just now have like advertisement videos for like personal robotics is so cool. Like what a yeah. great future to be in. Um, I... You cannot wait to see one of these in person and hopefully be able to interact with it. I don't know how or when, but I like if I ever get the chance and I have to put in a lot of work to do it, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. It it sounds awesome. Um it's uh I think it's cool how they've built spot too, because at first when you see them in the videos, it's like you kind of see two modes. You have like spot with an arm on its head can like grab things and do stuff and then you have like the other spot that's just like walking around but when you go to the spot launch page Boston Dynamics shows off all the different like attachment modules you have so you can basically buy the robot dog and then you can buy these like modules and it has two module slots on it and they have all sorts of different modules they have like high def camera modules they have like robotic arm modules they have um like different like communication relays modules for like field work so you can have like transportable um, oh, I didn't know about that one. Yeah, there's like all sorts cool. of stuff. And and then they have like, yeah, it can carry things. It's it's really incredible. And then it has like this open API. So you can sit there and like program your dog to do these different things. And when I when I started looking at that and I was looking at the robot arm and stuff and realizing the robot arm had its own like camera in it, one of the things that it reminded me of is in brain computer interfacing, when we're getting people to control robotic arms, there's this kind of like hard problem of like sense of like reference point, like where is the arm relative to my body and therefore in 3d space. Okay. And so people have a hard time. Like one of the challenges is like, okay, you want to move your elbow joint, but if your arms in this position or this position, 
the like brain command for moving your elbow joints actually different. Um, but one of the things that really is really easy to do in brain computer interfacing is cursor control. For some reason, the brain's plasticity to controlling like a 2D move something around on a screen is really easy. And so I have to imagine <laughs> that if you could give somebody actually a view out of like the spot's arm, where it's like you have right. a view out like of the front camera, time. you're turning your field of view and your, your manipulator, your arm, into a cursor control game. And so I, I had this image of like uh, a locked-in person being able to control a robotic arm on spot by just Whoa. having like a first-person view of the camera that's on Spot's arm and just being able to like walk around and like manipulate things with their robot dog simply using their brain. And that would be like an easy problem. Like that's you could wild. get like an EEG headset for that. You don't need implants. Like you could we could do that right now if I had a robot dog. <laughs> Dude, let's get a robot dog. Sounds so cool. <laughs> I mean, they're not even that expensive in the grand scheme of things. I know it sounds crazy to like the average consumer because it's over $100,000. But when you think about it, you would expect something that's capable of doing something that has never been done before. Like the ro- the level of robotics and balancing and like uh, nimbleness and just, I guess, swift execution of all of this is unprecedented. There's nothing even close yeah. that I've seen anyway. And so, yeah, the fact that you could get that and the, the use cases just suddenly open up to your imagination. And if you have more time to think about what you'd want to use it for, I'm sure that there's plenty of amazing things. I think the one main concern still, well, not not the one main concern, but one of the concerns is the battery life still. It's like, I think it's a couple minutes, hours. Yeah. But it's, yeah, that's not really enough to get a lot done. It would need to switch its own battery and they would need to be like charge a charger in the wall and stuff. I guess it can't do that yet. A human has to put the battery in still. That seems like an easy problem relative to everything else. You'd think so, but, you know, if you buy it right now, there is no solution, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking to the um, the Tesla, like, battery swap stations they talked about um, mm-hmm. as, like, a rapid charging method. I can just, like, imagine a little dock in your house, like a Roomba that the dog just walks back to and, like, swats its battery out. Well, I'm just but, hoping that there's like long distance delivery so I can like have a solar powered mm. or like there's Tesla supercharger stations, right? And then you send your spot dog across like literal wilderness ground to go from one city to another and carry a big heavy package or load or something. And then, you know, it just takes a week or two and yeah. gets there. It'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny though that you mentioned uh, spots nimbleness because... The next video is my favorite video on YouTube and is of the Boston Dynamics robot dog. Okay, great. And I I know this, I say favorite video, it's the most entertaining video that I've watched because I laugh every time. (laughs) (laughs) It's titled... (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, this is the other thing. Like, so this is one of the prototypes of this, of the spot, an old one. And it just (laughs) is walking in this hardwood floor and then just completely wipes out and slips on a banana peel and you just feel bad for it it's so sad it's it's a stew it's just a robot but yeah this is this is one of the main like ethical weird concerns is that people (laughs) anthropomorphize these things so so incredibly yeah it's just why is it such a deep thing why why can't we just rationalize the fact that these are just computers simply because they're in the shape of a dog we're we're broken human beings are broken we anthropomorphize everything (laughs) 
it's just i mean i agree with you but oh god the video is so funny because i think the angle of the shot just kind of like makes it up too and the way that the dog walks like it walks with this little like trot like it's spring in its step and it's just walking down this hall it's like this like fake house the boston dynamics people have created to test it in like a you know house situation and there's mm-hmm. just a banana peel sitting on the wood floor and it falls so hard <laughs> just like <laughs> it's 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 cartoonish but uh it's it's good yeah it's pretty extreme (laughs) (laughs) um should we go for your next video yes this this is Uh, a a new category of youtube videos in some ways yeah whoa okay so this is a very cinematic shot of a woman sitting in a basically a rundown slash abandoned house, but she has a whole modular synth set up in front of her. And for those of you who don't know what modular synths are, um, it's basically hardware synths where you take these electronic parameters and like map them to each other through patch cables or cabling. And so you have these like it's it's all hardware synthesis and it's all done and controlled manually, just controlling different like oscillators and filter parameters and various like voltage levelings. Uh, so <laughs> they're really complicated to set up. Um, and she's playing a song with them in this abandoned house. Yes. Um, the reason why I really like this video, besides the fact that the, the artist is very good and I love the music, but the the fact that it's in this really old eclectic house with a lot of um, like plaster molding and mm-hmm. intricate um, craft work, because I, I think this was a is, is like an old um, chateau house in France that's been abandoned. There's broken glass mm-hmm. and like the chairs yeah, those, are falling over and those blue French doors definitely suggest that. Yeah, yeah I mean, blue it's... French doors, broken mirrors. Uh, beautiful like wall moldings yeah yeah it's like in immaculate good good condition but everything is just everywhere and it's broken and there's stuff everywhere so it's it's this really strange mixing between like this era of perfection and and handmade skill with uh all of this debris and and chaos and like the disposal of time and then she's in here uh using these old books to prop up her synths and she's playing uh i think this exact same kind of juxtaposition but in a shorter time period so uh the house is old and has uh dilapidated over time and she's playing uh, what the very first synths were made where they had to be analog because we didn't have digital systems um in like the you know late 50s and moving on in 60s and everything and so she's playing some modern music in a way that w- it wouldn't have been played arguably in the past uh when these synths were first invented but she's doing it um using these now antiquated synths which are very popular and they're not antiquated in the sense that i don't think they're worthy but they're antiquated in the sense that they aren't used very often because they're physical hardware and you don't need to have physical hardware anymore to make music so um they definitely have a lot of charm to them and and for the creative process where you wire things up and like the different modules you put into your synth racks will interact in different ways then mm-hmm. you wouldn't use them together in those ways unless you had to physically plug them in so actually having this real hardware makes you 
write the music differently. So I think Definitely. like the both the place, the location, and the house uh, are kind of the same metaphor into her playing this style of music on this hardware and it's like very beautifully shot and put together it's uh if anybody wants to search the video it's patch notes with uh helena vogeslinger <laughs> yeah uh I, I think people who can who use modular synths or kind of that like older style analog synth is are, is just it's super impressive to me because in some ways it's so complex it's not knowable and so i think it caters itself really well to like creative process because you have to just like tinker and play now there's like some concepts you can know of each thing that you do you can kind of predict what it's going to do but like as you build up that network of cables like it becomes so so complex um that you can't really wrap your mind around every interaction at the same time and so a lot of it really is like this intuitive creative playing which i think is also really cool totally um yeah i would like to build build out some when i get a music studio someday Uh, yeah the (laughs) It, it it would be fun um it's seeing the setups people build of them though like i i'm interested and surprised but that you are interested in that because they take up so much space <laughs> obviously you can get like efficient uh modular modules but uh yeah, yeah i think I mean, the, you... the, the tendency is to just continue expanding with more modules and more cables until you have this wall behemoth <laughs> You don't have, I mean, there's lots of mobile racks and stuff yeah, where you yeah. have them in like a case and they unfold and you yeah. only have so much space. So you limit yourself that way. You know, I love limitations, Nick. I know, oh. I know. <laughs> I, I saw a really cool modular synth that somebody released. that was like a cube and you just like connected cables to different sides of the cube and you had, it had like basically six modules. It was like a die. And so you had like a, yeah, six faces like... that you could work between. That would be really um, disorienting to try to f- remember where you needed to adjust certain things on the key. I know. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess on the uh, the music thrust in, in YouTube, um, mm-hmm. I also have included a music video. <laughs> cool. Uh, this is a little less professionally produced, which is in some ways its charm. I think you'll particularly enjoy the title of this video and the description. Nice. There's a an old timer with some. He's a he's a big round old timer with some little spectacles, playing this banjo with just a beautiful inlaid neck <laughs> and he looks very concentrated he also like you the clock in the background is like looks like it's some hand carved wood he's very fitting the aesthetic of all this oh yeah loving it this guy perfectly captures the old time banjo five i i do love also that you called him an old timer uh because he is playing old time style banjo which nice. is like this two finger method of banjo playing um, how does it work Basically, so a banjo is the standard kind of banjo is a five stringed instrument and you have kind of four strings that you typically play like fretted notes on. And then you have this fifth string, which technically has fretting, but you almost never play it fretted. Um, It's shorter and higher and you typically just play it open and that's called the drone string. And the way that banjos like kind of traditionally played, no matter which style you play, is that you the reason banjo sounds so fast is because 
people are basically constantly hitting that drone string in the background on every like other beat or whatever mm-hmm. to just kind of keep this like thrum this drone of notes in the background and old time banjo distinguishes itself by typically using only two fingers and using both that drone string and the um, highest note fretted string as a drone string so you kind of have two drone strings and you just play it those two fingers back and forth really fast and it's um typically played in this pattern they like to call bum diddy bum diddy <laughs> which is basically nice. just a quarter note with two eighth notes so it's like da 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 and you get that kind of like bum diddy rhythm as they call it or mm-hmm. chimchaga rhythm as they call it chimchaga <laughs> I, nice i don't know um so he he plays primarily old-time banjo um and he has this huge collection of like these beautiful handmade banjos that he works on and then he just like posts these videos to youtube and he has basically no viewers (laughs) um (laughs) as you can see uh this video is titled test june apple because the song is june apple and it has zero likes and zero downvotes and 28 views (laughs) You got to love the videos that are just standing on their own legs uh, for the people who want to watch them. It makes yeah, them more special. Exactly. And uh, he, he doesn't have any in this video, but he's normally really engaged with the few people that comment, which primarily seem to be his family members. How did and you find they talk this? about yeah. his old Uncle Willie and how he taught him how to play banjo. And it's, it's 28 fantastic. views? How did you find this, Nick? <laughs> I, I follow, I'm subscribed to this guy. <laughs> Yeah, but like, how did you find him? Because he only has 28 views. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I guess I, I I got into searching very specific banjo terms. And banjo is already a pretty unpopular instrument. And as you like further get more specific, because like I wanted banjo videos, but I didn't want scrug style. So I wanted old time videos, but specifically I wanted two finger old time videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so apparently as soon as you get that specific, you start getting people like this guy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love everything about this uh, as a concept of like a human being really enjoying and doing the thing that they love and just putting it out there because they like doing it. That's what life is about. Yeah, seriously. And he's been doing it for so long. He posts a video like every month and he has for like 10 years. Dang, I'm going to follow YouTube. this guy. This is great. What talk yeah. Probably some really good background music too. What's, what's, it, what's his channel? Richard Hood? Richard Hood. And he's great at banjo. <laughs> He sounds good. I'm going to write that down right now. Richard Hood. Richard Hood. And he even has one of the most classical self-recorded banjo videos you have to get, which is playing a banjo with a dog barking in the background. Oh, nice. Yeah, he has a, he has a dog that just walks around sometimes and howls at his banjo. It's, That's so it's good. really authentic. <laughs> Man, what are we going to do with... This is what I was talking about with so many hours of YouTube that it's really too bad that that some nice gems like these get passed by. I guess it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. I mean, what's, what does any of it matter? But like, this is good content. This is some, some good stuff, some nice, wholesome music that more mm-hmm. people should be watching instead of watching Mr. Beast. I don't care <laughs> if you hear that Mr. Beast. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Richard Hood over Mr. Beast for me. hundred percent. Um, yeah, so I, I this is not an educational channel. It's just this man, I guess, like logging his cool songs that he knows how to play and sharing them with the world. And they're not actually nice. recorded. They're just him hanging out. 
it's great i mean it's it can't good. get any better really yeah it's good it's good um wow all right i'm gonna watch more of these later do you have do you have more videos for me nick because i ran out of videos unfortunately i i have one more video um which is really just me showing off another weird part of youtube in some ways it's not a truly weird part there's really weird stuff on youtube i think yeah i didn't um, get as weird as i wanted so i'm glad you did <laughs> <laughs> um but i so we both write electronic music uh one of the fun things about doing that is that you get to sample other sounds from the world and definitely youtube is a fun place to sample from because there's so many sounds uh now it's kind of a bad place to sample from because the compression and ripping from youtube usually leads to like poor sound quality but that's fine if you're going to be messing with the sound anyways. <laughs> um, and so I have this sound that I recently used in a song that I thought you would definitely enjoy because it is terrifying. <laughs> There's a hyena. There's a hyena behind a fence trying to eat children. The children are taking pictures of it. It's summoning Satan. This is the call. You hear? You know, that's Satan in the background crawling out of the bush. There's... Oh, one of the children is... Uh, no. Oh. oh. They threw... One of the children ripped its own heart out and threw it over the fence. And the hyena is now eating it in the devil's den underneath the bush. It got really dark. <laughs> Fantastic video. Roxy the hyena, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Wow, and on that note, <laughs> do you do you have any parting parting things you need to say about the episode of of YouTubeness, Nick? <laughs> um, I can say I see now how people get sucked into YouTube rabbit holes. Um, there is so much content, and it's so easy to just like click on the next video, especially with YouTube's like autoplay setting or whatever. You can just keep going into some crazy stuff. Uh, I guess the other thing I would say is like post stuff to youtube <laughs> like it's obvious that there's no like you should do it like it's rewarding i feel like in and of itself and um it helps establish you or like you know give back to the uh, creator debt or whatever you want to call it of like your ratio of c creating things to consuming things i think like youtube's like a fantastic avenue to just like create stuff on for the yeah, world this is true i uh I also think that just doing things in general, it doesn't have to be YouTube, just doing stuff is um, better than not doing stuff as far as your own <laughs> curiosity and creativity is concerned. Sounds simple, but it's much harder said than done yeah. for a lot of people. Oh, for sure. Um, and you can change those YouTube al algorithms, but I would recommend everybody to find somebody else and watch their YouTube, like have them sign in or, or like use their sign in and just start watching the videos that they have on their recommended page, because that's when things get really interesting. I've done that with a couple of people and oh, it's boy. really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's a, that's a whole deep insight into somebody's life. It is. It's what they're in, like interested in and spending their time on. And I know that you're just into ASMR girl. So I guess I'll have to raid that okay. someday. <laughs> I have to, I, since we're talking about it, I have to talk about it now. So, um, I, like you, <laughs> uh, work from home. And unlike you, 
I don't have other people in my home uh, while I do that. So I'm like alone. I also work um, pretty, like I'm not in a lot of like team meetings or whatever with people um, because I'm kind of displaced in time from a lot of my team who's in Europe right now. And so there's like no sound in my house. Now, most days I listen to music, but sometimes I want it to be like a little more like low key and chill. And sometimes I do silence, but sometimes it's nice to have just some background noise. And so I listen to, I have a whole playlist called background noise. And a lot of them are like, I guess, ASMR videos of people just like shuffling around or talking quietly or, um, like there's like sound bath healing videos of just like uh, the singing bowls or tuning forks. And so listening to all of that content, uh, causes YouTube to primarily suggest ASMR videos to me since it's like my most watched category. Cause I'll watch, like I'll listen to, you know, four hours of those videos or something. Look, there's already uh sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but there's already my, my videos being recommended on your front page now. Oh, so I've, passionate. I have infested you. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> it, YouTube latches on quite quickly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, the ASMR girl is everywhere, though. Like, you, you underplayed this. You acted like you just watched a few videos about sounds that were nice. But no, there's one girl in particular that's everywhere on your YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the two popular ASMR girls are uh, Jibby, I think is how you say her name, and this uh, Sarah Lavender girl. Sarah Lavender. Sarah Lavender. Very nice name. Um, the most watched videos that I purposely watch, though, if, we, if, if, if we're exploring my YouTube right now, let's, just, let's do it. Um, mm-hmm. Andrew Huang, I think you probably know him if you watch <laughs> kind of electronic synthesis stuff. He's a pretty popular, like, um, he does a lot of tutorials, but also just like a lot of kind of like music theory, interesting analysis of given songs uh, kind of stuff. Okay. And he hosts these little um, competitions where he has like electronic music competitions. He gives like a sample to four people, and they all um, produce songs using that that feature that sample. Basically, those are pretty fun ones to watch. Uh, but I enjoy his like style, his personal style, and also his like style of video production and style of like video. Uh, he has a good pacing for me. He like gives out content quickly, um, which is nice. Cool. Yeah, so he, he's a he's a good one. I also uh, enjoy this one. They actually won an award in the streamies for best educational videos. Curious cats, I, in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, they're they're the best. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> um, and then uh, Richard Hood, as you just saw, my most recent subscription. Very good. A winner. Uh, pretty much the rest of them are music besides Polygon, which produces like video game comedy videos. So not like streaming content stuff, but kind of like um, funny insights into or like moments in video game culture, which is fun. Nice. I could see how a lot of people would hate. The, like, like uh, I, sorry, that was like too strong. But <laughs> I think... Um, this content is like not as neutral in that like there's probably a lot of people who would be like annoyed by this style of humor or like whatever like i can see how they're kind of like a specialty thing i mean they're like a big channel or whatever but like yeah i think this is this that's a little bit more unique <laughs> nice yeah some good stuff it. i uh i'm not gonna give any more recommendations because it's too much youtube man <laughs> just go find what you like i don't know <laughs> 
it's like I don't know. They're the honeymoon phase is over now. It's more like I just want to go to the deep depths of the things I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. Well, Nick will play us out uh, old time style with two fingers. And two fingers. Two finger old time style banjo. Thumb lead. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you.